There's crispy, and then there's crispy, er. Try our new and improved Tyson crispy chicken strips. Crispy just got crispy, er. Hello, everyone. I'm Janae Adams, and you're listening to HBCU 468, the Roden Fellows Podcast. I'm coming to you from the Clark Atlanta University. I'm on the line with my co-host, Bill Roden, in New York. I just finished reading your column on Cleveland Brown quarterback, Baker Mayfield, and I see that you're not happy with him. So who is a quarterback that you like? Uh, Whoever's backing him up. Yeah, uh, his backup (laughs) is actually uh, Tyrod Taylor. I'm a big Tyrod Tyrod Taylor fan, hoping he gets another opportunity sooner than later. Okay, and we also have Tiffany Hoyt from Howard University in Washington, D.C., What's good, everyone? Janae, Mr. Roden, good to hear from y'all. Uh, my favorite quarterback this season is, uh, wait for it, it's Eli Manning. Uh, what? I've been a Giants fan for Why? some time. Eli Manning? I've been a Giants fan for some time, and I just I have Gee. to stay by him. But Eli if Manning. I had if I had somebody that's winning, it's Drew Brees, of course, but Eli. Eli Manning, geez, somebody take that mic away from yeah. me. <laughs> Hey, those two Super Bowls say a lot. Yeah, like 50 years ago. A long time ago. Yeah, like <laughs> 1947 or something. You know. Those trophies, they hang forever. Okay. <laughs> and last but not least, Isaiah George from Morgan State University in Baltimore <laughs> is also on the line. Hey, everyone. And uh, I guess I would say my favorite quarterback this year would be Deshaun Watson. Uh, the Texans, they started off 0-3. Uh, but he's led him to eight straight wins, and he's looked really impressive, you know, and especially coming off of the year he had last year and the injury and everything. So I, he looks really good. Yeah, guess they won't be switching him to wide receiver. Oh, my. Let's not have those talks again. <laughs> <laughs> well, my favorite quarterback is Alex Smith. Unfortunately, he just got hurt, though. But, Gruesome, yeah. Alex Smith. His team might still make the Super Bowl, though, so we'll see. How? You can't even walk, Janae. <laughs> Be positive. <laughs> okay. That's a Redskins fan for you. Uh-oh. I guess that's I, like me and my giant. I'm a 49ers fan. Okay. Thank Uh-oh. you very much. Somebody said that word. Who said the word? Who said the R word on this show? <laughs> who said that? Who you? Who, 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 who said that? <laughs> who said that? Gee, I know when you took it. <laughs> I'm not even going to claim it. I'm not going to claim it. <laughs> Listen, we can, you can rewind the podcast. You'll figure oh, it out. Oh, no, no. We, yeah, that's right. <laughs> All right. Okay, y'all, but we'll have plenty of time to determine, you know, which of our favorite quarterbacks will be in the Super Bowl. But today we are focusing on the Celebration Bowl. We'll predict who will go up against defending champs, the North Carolina A&T Aggies, and whether the four-year-old bowl game is a good idea at all. Then in the second half of the show, We'll discuss the upcoming Marvel film, Spider-Man, Into the Spider-Verse. This story features a black and Latino Spider-Man in an animated film. But before we dive in, I had to address that Texas Southern University men's basketball team defeated Oregon last week. This isn't the first time an HBCU team has defeated a top-ranked PWI team this season. I'm curious, guys, what were your favorite upsets this season, no matter the sport? Um, yeah, and I, I like I like Texas Southern beating Oregon. I mean, clearly over the past two years, uh, Texas Southern has had maybe one of the stronger HBCU programs. So now that's a big uh, that's a big win. I like that. I like 
I like that Howard over UMass. Of course, everyone wants to see that Texas Southern Oregon win because I think that's just great for HBCU basketball and HBCU sports. But hopefully my upset of the week is on Friday when our Howard volleyball girls team beats Penn State. Mm. Well, Tiffany, I see you know, you're going with the home team there with uh, you and Howard. I'll do the same thing, but mine's a little different. Uh, it was the HBCU versus HBCU. Uh, Morgan State's win against A&T this year, mm. I think that was really impressive, especially with uh, having an interim head coach and the first three games not going our way, going into that game 0-3 and A&T going, uh, th- coming into that game 3-0. and I think that was really that was really big for us as a program and just growing and that we could uh, still beat the top competition in the MEAC. But that didn't count as a conference win. That was the only thing. Mm. Yeah, but y'all definitely shook black college football with that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but then what happened? Oh, Lord. Hey, <laughs> we finished strong. I'll say that. You know, we'll fin- we finished strong. 44, digging up old 44, wounds, 44 points on Norfolk. Okay, y'all. The fourth annual Celebration Bowl is just three weeks away. This game, which will take place in Atlanta, brings the Southwestern Athletic Conference and Mid-Eastern Conference champions toe-to-toe. Returning MEAC champs, North Carolina A&T Aggies will be there. So when this podcast airs, we'll know who they will be playing, either the Southern Jaguars from Baton Rouge, Louisiana, or the Alcorn State Braves from Lorman, Mississippi. We'll get into the stats of each team, but first, let's talk about who we want to see in the celebration. Joining us for this conversation is Senior News Editor for the Undefeated, John X. Miller. Welcome to the show, John. Hey, how's everybody doing? How's everybody? All good. I'm doing great. Yes, looking forward to the Celebration Bowl. Um, You know, I I think it's going to be uh, Alcorn State and and North Carolina A&T. Alcorn State's got a really good offense, good quarterback, uh, tough defense, and they've already beaten Southern once this season uh, at Southern. So I think uh, Alcorn State is uh, going to get its shot at the Celebration Bowl again because it was in the very first one. Uh, John, I had a question about the MEAC. Now, North Carolina A&T, they were sweating coming down to the end of the season uh, because of that loss to FAMU, and it looked like FAMU had everything, you know, in their hands, such as trying to get that MEAC championship. Um, they lost to Howard and never really, never really got back to where they wanted to be. I remember talking to their coach, uh, Coach Willie Simmons, and he was saying, that, you know, that it came down to the Florida Classic and, and probably something that his team wanted. Uh, but they didn't really get, and they lost that South Carolina State game as well, which ended up not being a conference game. What do you think happened to them just down the stretch? Well, I think first-year coach, you know, uh, it's, a, it's a long season, and I think the advantage that A&T has is that they've been there before, uh, and so when you get into the, the, the seventh and eighth and ninth game and you've been practicing and playing since uh, early August, injuries, uh, I, I think that's a big deal. And I also think that when you are playing a rival, uh, as all of the conference teams do, you know, they're going to have certain teams have your number because they've played you before. They know your scheming. Uh, they know your players. Um, and I think, you know, Florida AM just kind of lost, lost gas toward the end of the season. While on the other hand, AT picked it up. Okay. Cause AT was playing really well toward the end of the season. And of course, they shut out North Carolina Central in, in their final game of the season. 45 to nothing at right. Central. So I think, you know, uh, Willie Simmons at Florida State's first-year coach, I think he'll uh, he'll begin to turn some things around. But 
uh, it's a long season, and it's it's tough to sustain that kind of uh, offensive and defensive continuity through an 11 or 12 game schedule. Hey, hey, uh, X, uh, you were down at the uh, Bayou Classic. You saw Southern, uh, but you you chose you've chosen uh, Alcorn. Well, what did you think about Southern? I think Southern is is a good team. Uh, I think they've got a good quarterback. Uh, uh, and and he played really well in uh, in the Bayou Classic, and they've got a good running back as well. Their defense is pretty solid, but I think comparatively, uh, Alcorn State has the same. Uh, you know, it, it'll be strength against strength in some ways, um, and so I, I think you know the, the the high point may be for Southern the fact that they won the Bayou Classic because they hadn't won it in the last uh, three years, and so you know uh, at the at the award ceremony. Uh, uh, Coach Odom had to tell his players that, you know, he didn't say it this way, of course, but he said, y'all ain't won nothing yet. <laughs> okay. He said, you know, he said, calm down. Yo, we still got a more important game coming up next Saturday and we got to get ready for that. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that's the coach talking to his players and let them know that, you know, the work's not done yet. But because Southern and Grambling is such a fierce robbery, the players really felt that, wow, that was their, that might have been their championship. And so they're going to Alcorn. They've lost to Alcorn. And so, you know, they've got to mentally pick themselves up to play as well as they did against Grambling. Hey, hey, let me ask you one more last question. What happened, you know, earlier in the year, we were really high on Prairie View. You know, I went all the way out to Las Vegas, you know, to play, and they were really, that was supposedly an inspirational, a good story for the SWAC. What happened to Prairie View? I think Prairie View's kind of the same thing happened to Prairie View that happened to Florida A&M. Mm. Is, is that, you know, and, when, and, and I was telling somebody this the other day as well, you know, when you go to, this, to the second and third team at an HBCU, the athletes are not at the same level as they are at a PWI, okay? And that talks, that's, a, that's about money, that's about recruiting, that's about the training table. And so as you go into the season, you're going to have injuries, right? right? You may have a great first team quarterback and running back, but your second and third team people are not as good. And so as you get to the seventh and eighth and ninth game of the season, you're going to have people who are banged up. Because mm. uh, you know that being in football, you got to play with injuries. Mm. And if you can't play that second and third year uh, or second and third tier player isn't as good, then the production is going to fall off. Mm. And so I think that's what happened with Prairie View. And with Florida in it, um, but with teams like North Carolina and T, they are deeper. Teams like Grambling, they are a little deeper because you know they are their programs and say they know how to recruit kids who are who are going to be there for three or four years and are going to have the training table and are going to have this this uh, this this prospect of playing deep into the season, whether it's for a conference championship or whether it's going to uh, to the Celebration Bowl. So I think you know. A&T, Grambling have a program, and Southern, Prairie View, they're trying to get there. We know that there's a deficit between the amount of dollars that go into a, a MEAC or a SWAC program compared to a PWI program or any other HBCU program. So do you think that the goal of the Celebration Bowl, of having the Celebration Bowl, is beneficial in the fact that they're not going on to the playoffs and competing against those PWIs? Okay, and so... You know, look at an example of what happened uh, to Bowie State when they played uh, Valdosta State. Valdosta State is a is a, uh, a D two powerhouse. They got a program, uh, and so they, their teams are very deep. 
their program is very deep. And so they've been winning national championships. And so they beat Bowie State 66-16. to 16, oh, All right? Oh, my God. And so you look at the playoffs and what value, okay, what value is a playoff game if you're going to get beat that badly? You come out of the CIAA, you come out of the SIC, you come out of the, the MEAC or the SWAC, and you lose to a Valdosta State or a Jacksonville State, you know, by 50 points. Hmm. What value is that to your program versus going to the Celebration Bowl, which is going to be ABC television live. It'll be the first good bowl game of the season. You get a guaranteed check coming out of that game. You can use that game to help recruit, uh, and you can use that game to help bolster alumni giving and a little an alumni visibility of the program and so you know, if, if you list the pluses and the minuses about ncaa play for for uh hbcu teams and the uh celebration bowl you know you get more benefit going to the celebration bowl yeah. so, john now that you bring that up uh is it something that they should start they like such as the MEAC or or any other hbcu sports conference do you start looking at possibly moving away from the NCAA tournament with any other sports? Hmm. Great question. Well, you know, I, there's actually some conversations going on in other parts of the country about that, about having HBCUs having their own tournaments uh, uh, at the end of the season, uh, basketball in particular, but also, you know, having a, 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 a CIAA versus SIAC game uh, in some place like Atlanta. Because that does that does something measurably different. Because you, for one, it enlivens uh, the, the the alumni. Uh, for two, if you can get a TV sponsor, and that and, and and the truth is, all the money that's coming into these PWIs, whether it's basketball or football, is coming from TV money. Right. And so the first thing HBCUs have to do, and the MEAC and the SWAC have done this because they've got a TV deal uh, with ESPN. Is getting TV deals, uh, and then after the TV deals, you get a payroll deal, and after you get some visibility on television, then that's when the alumni begin to start giving as well. And so, yeah, I think what we have to do is get money into the schools for facilities, get money in the school for scholarships, so that you can, you know, have athletes that go to the second and third team for viable athletes who can play deep into a season. And you know, we talked about that even with the. The last group of fellows, they, you know, they really were investigating this idea of, of black conferences, you know, facing each other rather than, you know, going and being demoralized, you know, like Bowie State was or, you know, like going to the NCAA tournament getting beat by 60 points. I mean, what purpose does that serve? I, but I'd be curious see what you guys think. I think that it's difficult to gauge it because if you don't, I don't think that, I think that if you pull out of certain tournaments and such within the NCAA, a lot of athletes are not going to look at these HBCU programs in the same light as they look at other programs. And by them not looking at it in the same light, are they going to attend those universities? Are they going to come to a Howard over a, a PWI? Are they going to come to an NCAT over certain PWIs if you segregate yourself too much from the process? How can you be competitive? Competitive to who? I mean, is sixty six is sixty six sixteen competitive? You know, the Texas State, the Texas Southern women lost to UConn by like it was like, uh, or was it prayer? They lost like eighty something points. I mean, what's what's the point? 
I don't think it's competitive to just play against only each other. And I, I I'm not a believer yeah. in the segregation type of thing. Like, I don't think that's like being an athlete. Like, I wouldn't want that. I wouldn't want to just miss out on the tournament and just play against only HBCUs. So I'd rather play in the okay, tournament. So, so what's the point of going to an oh, HBCU? What, what teams are making the tournament? <laughs> right. And what teams are making the tournament? A lot of times it's only the conference uh, the conference. Only the conference I mean, champion we only, we're only getting one in at a time when we have other schools in these Power Five conferences that are getting six, seven, eight in the conference who uh, most of them would be stronger than our programs. I mean, that would be cool if you do something separate, but I wouldn't just say take away us being in the tournament. I just don't think it's as competitive because and if you also, ask, yeah. And also, how can you? It goes back to how can you expect to be taken seriously? Like, so just think about the ESPN deal. Like John, you were talking about uh, TV deals. So Howard and uh, the MEAC, they have a ESPN Plus deal, and other other Power Five schools they get an ESPN deal. So how do you show that you can sell to that market? if you're not competing in that market. Exactly. And, and we're not saying not compete. We're just saying selectively compete in tournaments that you can can make money from because and, and not be embarrassed. Right. Because in, if you get embarrassed, you know, now, of course, it's a little different when you play these money games, okay? You know, it, Texas Southern wasn't playing Oregon, you know, for visibility. They were playing Oregon for probably a $300,000 check, all right? And so that you have to factor that in as well. The same, you know, the same reason that you know I think Alcorn State or uh, Prairie View played like Arizona or Arizona State, right. right? And you're gonna get beat by 50 points, and this is in football, but you're gonna get a 300 thousand dollar check, so or 400 thousand or even half million dollar check. Mm-hmm. And so you got to balance that uh, against what the conference goals are, what the players' goals are, and what the schools' goals are. And I think you can do that, but you got to have a strategy. I think what McClellan's going to do with the SWAC is understand what what works and what doesn't work, because he's been at Prairie View, he's been at Texas Southern, he's been a athletic director, now he's commissioner, and so I think he's going to be astute enough to know, you know, where to 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 uh, play, where not to play, and who to partner with and and sign contracts with. Uh, Janae, I know you brought in the athlete uh, um, aspect. I were, you know, I talked to a couple of athletes um, here at Morgan State on the football team specifically because uh, the year before the Celebration Bowl was created, Morgan State won the MEAC after uh, several tiebreaker scenarios went their way, and they got blown out uh, at Richmond, uh, twenty-six to like forty something. And I remember just talking to some of the players when the Celebration Bowl was created, how they were you know, excited that they could be on a stage like that. Um, and the Celebration Bowl has, has drawn in at least 2 million viewers each um, each game. So, I mean, it's something that the, some players who have gone through that embarrassment of going on uh, to that FCS or NCAA tournament, losing by many points, who don't want to go through that again and would rather go to a bowl experience where not only where it helps their school with visibility and, and money and everything, but you're on a bigger stage as well. And um, the... I say that because, you know, like I said, they drew in 2 million viewers each year at least, and that's more than the FCS championship game has, has put in. And, you know, and the, and the idea, I mean, I don't, I don't know, you know, you know uh, John, you've been to the CIAA tournament. I mean, a lot of this is, is like, cultural. I mean, you know, you, you go to the CIAA tournament, and, and it's basically a celebration of a lot of black folks getting together, 
and having a good time and celebrating each other and seeing, you know, uh, a playing a competition on a level playing field. You know, when you talk about, you know, Bowie State got beat by a team at Valdosta that had a whole bunch of black players on. It's not like, it's not like, you know, they played this all white team and all. No, it's like these big white schools uh, or, or large white schools have have now gobbled up, used their money to get all these black athletes. So I think we're not trying to prove the point. We're again, you know, like widely called the celebration bowl because we're celebrating sort of being around each other. Like X said, it's like you get a check, but it's you're not at the end of the day, you're not being humiliated by by primarily a team with a whole bunch of black folks too. You know, so um, I don't know. I just like the idea of, of you know, having a, a basketball tournament where, you know, SAIC versus uh, CIAA, where we're celebrating our institutions. It's not just X's and O's and scoreboards. Are we saying that, okay, these big schools have gobbled up all the black athletes so let's just take like a constellation prize. But well, why do you say it's constellation? It's not constellation. That's, right. that's the whole. It's right. not constellation. Right. But what do you really win it's out of like, it? Well, but what do you win when you get beat by about fifty-seven it. points? Right. With with against other black well, athletes, get, I can see what you're saying. I can see that right. if if this was 1955, well, and and you know, um, let's say Grambling was playing uh, LSU, right? Grambling, LSU, and it was, it was the best black players in the state of Louisiana playing a Grambling against all these white guys at LSU. I guarantee you those would be some pretty competitive games. And, and you know, then you could say, well, don't back down from the challenge. Don't have your own, you know, don't, you know, retreat into your own thing. But that's not what it is. In other words, LSU is now saying, you know what, we're, t- we're taking all these talented black players, first, second, and third, and then we're gonna come and just be, what? What's the point of that? You know what? It's you know what I'm saying what's I don't know, Tim. You keep saying competitive. What's the point of that? That's why they don't choose to go to a HBCU. Like the yeah. sad truth of it is because they want to be in the best competition so they can be in the most. Prepared and they want to go to a bowl. And they want to right. Go to okay, that's, that's the point of that's the point of celebration bowl, right? You want to go to a bowl as opposed to. You know, getting beat by 50 points on a Saturday afternoon <laughs> in somebody's home stadium that, that if it's on television, you know, you'll get embarrassed publicly <laughs> versus going to a bowl game. And so, you know, so, that's what we're talking about, right? The bowl game I, is competitive generally, right? My question is, why does it have to be a black bowl game? If, if you get what I'm saying, like, why does it have to be, okay, this is Celebration Bowl for black colleges to come like, together. Like, why segregate like, ourselves? Why, well, why are you segregated? Why are you at an HBCU? Why, why right. did you? Let me. That gets to a fundamental question. Why did each of you, Janae and and, and uh, Tiffany, says, we're so, why did each of you choose to go to an HBCU versus going to a PWI if you didn't want to segregate yourself? Well, I think I didn't choose to go to HBCU to segregate myself. Why you? Was, I didn't choose an HBCU to be around black people. That wasn't my primarily. That wasn't my primary focus. So what, what, what? That, that was All mine. Right. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say it wasn't mine, but I will say that I think athletically it's different. I think you're asking people like, we're not. I didn't come to an HBCU to compete academically with other black people. You know what I mean? To just compete academically with other black people. 
I came to an HBCU to learn my culture and such. But I think as athletes, they're already getting that in the classroom. But oh, oh you, you really think you really think they are? <laughs> I would hope so. I would hope so. Well, that's that that's that's not realistic. Yeah, uh, I just want to chime in real fast about uh, <laughs> the Tiffany and Janae's perspective. While I understand, and, and that was my initial thought when the Celebration Bowl was first created, that you know I was kind of upset because the same reasons. You know, I, I want to see my school competing on a national level with other schools, not just HBCUs. But when you think about it. When you talk to those athletes that have been in those NCAA tournaments or uh, the FCS playoffs or whatever have you and have gotten blown out by 50 or 60 points, they're going to tell you they'd rather be in the Celebration Bowl where they're going to have a chance to not only be on that, that type of stage but to, to compete, to, to, for it to be competitive. Because I get what you're saying, you want to compete against the best. But our programs right now are not there, and like with – um, Bill and, and you guys have been alluding to, a lot of these other PWIs are getting black athletes, or the top black athletes, and we are getting some um, from transfers. We're recruiting some, but our athletes are not on that level right now. To be fair, it, it looks like the Celebration Bowl is not only a way for uh, us to celebrate ourselves, but us to gain revenue from it and to actually be competitive, not just the idea of being competitive because we're going up against everybody else. So, so Janae, I want to... I well, let, me, let, me let, me, let me point out a couple other things real quickly. When you, it, the competitive nature is really important, all right? Because when you, you, know, when you go and play against a, a, a PWI in a, in a bowl game, for instance, or when two PWIs play against each other in a bowl game, depending on the team, they're going to have maybe six or eight players on that squad who have NFL potential, right? And so at, at HBCUs now, you can't say that. You can say they may be two or three, right? right. And so, so those games are not going to be competitive. If you're, I mean, realistically, look at, look at the, the athletes who are playing, look who are making it into the NFL, and say let's be in a in a format where the game is going to be competitive, because competitors want to compete, but they all want to compete for a chance to win. All right. Second thing is the bowl game experience is much different than a playoff game experience. Mm-hmm. Playoff game experience, you show up somebody else's site, you play the game. It's just like a travel game. You go to a bowl game, you get all kinds of swag, you get all kinds of uh, attention. Mm-hmm. Uh, Janae, you'll see this at the Celebration Bowl. It, you know, the players are going to be really appreciative of all the attention that they get. The fans are going to be, uh, uh, you know, much more in tune to the game because they're going to be there not only cheering for their team, they're going to be there cheering for their bands, right? And so you don't get that in a, in a playoff game. You know, your band is not going to travel to an to a NCAA playoff game because NCAA doesn't cover the cost for that, right? <laughs> and so all I'm saying is that, you know, let's be realistic and and really think about, you know, the benefits, and let's list those benefits for the players, for the schools, and the conferences. I just have a question, like, for you, Bill, and John, and then everyone else, but do you think that for the other sports, like basketball, women's and men's, I know NCAT's basketball team, women, they lost, like, about 10 points to South Carolina when they were a top-five team. Do you think that we can be competitive as HBCUs in other sports, meaning, yeah, football, we might not be prepared to go to the playoffs at this juncture in time. But for other sports, should they continue to work at it or should they try and develop their celebration ball? What, what do you call a work at it? In other words, 
What's working at it? Does that mean going against your budget might be two million dollars, and you're going against a, a team whose budget is like fifty million? You know, I mean, when you say work at it, what does that mean? You know, will you ever close that gap? Well, I think that you can try and compete at the highest level to garner exposure. Like John was speaking to the fact that, okay, we have games that are televised. I think that when you play, especially in basketball, when you're playing in the tournament, that's a lot of exposure that I don't think that we as HBCUs can give up. Well, is it? But you're only getting, you're only getting one team to get that exposure. You're not like getting like uh, the ACC or the SEC, you know, five or six uh, teams into the tournament. You're getting one team. It's going to be a 15 seed or 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 16 seed. They're going to be gone the first weekend, right? Generally, right. I mean, and I even just, when right. and even when you know, and even when somebody wins, uh, you know that that they get a paycheck, but then the next the next uh, the next round they're gone. Right. And so Bill made a good point about a two hundred uh, about a two million dollar budget and a fifty million dollar budget. And, but basketball is easier to compete in than football. Right. Okay, so the playing field there is 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 easier to level than in football. Right. Uh, and that's I think that's one of the things that Mike Davis is doing at Texas Southern. He recognizes how to level that playing field. Okay, um, and I think you know eventually he's going to break through at Texas Southern and win some games. Uh, but again, it goes back to the caliber of athletes and the size of the athletes. Right. All right, because I was telling somebody the other day in basketball, you got a team full of, uh, of average average six four, and you got a team average six eight. The team that average six eight, if the if the athletic ability is the same, that six eight team is going to win. Mm-hmm. Okay, and I think that's one of the things I see. In, in HBCUs, it's not necessarily the athleticism of the athlete; it's the size of the athletes. All right, and so Tariq Cohen, really good example. Tariq is a great athlete; he can compete in the NFL. But imagine if Tariq was instead of five six, that he was you know six two. My gosh! All right, if he was six two, right? I guarantee you he doesn't go to North Carolina A and T. And and if he was six two. He would, well, right. He wouldn't be playing running back, but he would have other options. But he still could be a six-two running back. He could still be Le'Veon Bell. Right. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. That's my and, point. and maybe he's not doing. But, but hey, 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 Janae, let me ask you this though, because you said something a few minutes ago. So why did you go? You you were at Alabama A and M, right? No, Alabama State, right? Alabama A and M. You 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 start off at Alabama A and M, and then you transfer to Clark. Why did you? choose to still stay within the realm of HBC universe? To be completely honest, yes, it was for social reasons. You want to explain? <laughs> if you get, I mean, this is, a, this, this, is a, this is a parental guidance show, but, but what, what do you mean for social reasons? <laughs> it was for social reasons in the sense that going to A&M, I had a bunch of fun, and I knew that if I were to transfer to a PWI, like depending on what school, I probably wouldn't have as much fun and do like, I don't know, I just like the atmosphere, like the Greek life, everything like that. So, so what, that was more of my reason. So case closed. I mean, so, I, do. Yeah, I mean, so you had a choice, though, right? You could have gone You could have gone to a PWI if you wanted to, correct? Yeah, my first choice was, my first two choices were PWIs. They just didn't offer me enough money. Okay. All right, well, it's, <laughs> it's worked out. Here I you are. I chose to go to Alabama A&M in the first place. I chose it over Wisconsin just because of location. 
having true confession here. But that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> but that was like a personal decision. Like Wisconsin would be more competitive in softball, but I ch- I didn't want to be in that state. Mm-hmm. So what would you what, what do you think your athletic experience would have been at at let, let's say you you played at A and M? Would you have played as much at at Wisconsin? I don't know about initially. I started my freshman year at A and M, but I don't know if I pro- I probably wouldn't have if I went to Wisconsin. Right. Okay, it's all about my angle wasn't to be a professional softball player. If that if I decided that was, I wouldn't have gone to A and M. Right, right, exactly. I think you kind of just proved Bill's point. Yeah, I but I just want to add to that. I think that that kind of speaks to the fact that why should we give? Why should we separate ourselves even more from these PWIs when I don't know a single HBCU student? And Isaiah, you could be different. That an HBCU was their first choice, and I go to Howard. And Howard, yes. you know, we just moved up in our rank. We're doing well, but Howard was not never in my top five. And so for HBCUs, how especially with it, when it comes to athletes who have red carpets rolled out for them, how do you can how do you Stay competitive or try to become competitive when you separate yourself more. And, I mean, when you look at it, uh, even if you look at the schools in the FBS, uh, there's differences in how teams are ranked. Or, or if you look at UCF, for example, they can't get really higher than seven or eight or, or maybe six uh, because of the history and their strength of schedule, right? So, I mean, even teams, right. PWIs, right. Um, up on the higher level can't really – I, I guess won't get a chance to compete. So I don't. I don't think that it happens anytime soon. Because I mean, if you just look at it, sports is run by money. And, and uh, Bill brought it up before about the two million dollars uh, that your program may have at an HBCU and a fifty million dollar you may have at a PWI. Uh, when you just look at it, we are at a disadvantage when it comes to that. So um, unless that sporadically changes for uh, HBCU, I don't. I don't see that happening. And there, you know, I mean, and. How realistically, and again, I know we got to move on, but realistically, how many teams starting off, the, let's say the the uh, NCAA, uh, you know, basketball season, how many teams realistically have a shot to reach the Final Four? I mean, really, you're. you're yeah, I, mean, I don't think we can say that though. Huh? Loyola Chicago literally proved everybody wrong last year. Okay, that's one team. I mean, that's one team. Yeah, I mean, and who won't? They didn't prove everybody wrong. That's what <laughs> right, right. Who made that point? What they proved is that they, they got barely lucky. didn't make it to the championship, though. Exception doesn't prove the rule, right? <laughs> right. Okay, and so uh, they were the exception. But the rule really is: it's going to be, a, it's going to be a Kentucky. It's going to be a Duke. It's going to be somebody who has a program as opposed to somebody who kind of gets lucky. Right, right. I mean, Loyola, you're right. I mean, each year you could prove you could take out one team that sort of, you know, defies the odds. But invariably, the, the, the football teams that win the national championship, the basketball team that win the national championship, come from the same Power Five conferences. It's going to be the same team. So it's not just HBCUs. I mean, there are a lot of, there are a lot of other schools that's crying the same blues. that you know, we're just trying to win a game in the tournament, <laughs> you know. And, and I, I think even in the tournament, it'd be different if the C, let's say that the NBA C champion, instead of being seeded fifteen and plays number one, let them play number twelve, you know, 
15 verse 12 or something. You know, just don't make it an automatic slaughter. So, and which gets back to the whole point of why not just be in a situation where I, I know you keep saying competitive, Tiffany, but I'm not quite sure what you mean by that in 2018. Can it ever be? The only way to get competitive, is, it, and I think it's if, if the five black kids who went to Duke, you know, said, you know what, why are we going to keep enriching these white institutions? We can go to Howard. Let's take Howard to the Final Four. You know, let's take let's take uh, all corners of the Final Four. Howard has to be committed to try and go to the NCAA tournament. You know, like, they'll go with them. If those, trust me, if the five kids, Tiffany, if the five kids who are at Duke now, if they decide to go to Howard, trust me, you could coach them, and they end up being in a Sweet Sixteen. <laughs> not not saying that you can't coach. Yeah. <laughs> That's absolutely right. Though, how can you? Take them to the tournament but, if you're not going to go to the tournament anyway. But that's not that's, anyway. for basketball. That's for basketball. That's very different. For basketball, you win the you win the conference title. You're going to the tournament, right? So Isaiah, you spoke with with me at Commissioner <laughs> Dennis E. Thomas about some issues. Let's listen. We've had uh, great exposure, great branding. Uh, uh, for our institutions that have participated in the Celebration Bowl. And I have to give uh, credit to ESPN uh, and Pete Derzik and others because Pete uh, called me and indicated that, that they would name this bowl the Celebration Bowl and to celebrate the legacy of historically black colleges and universities football. We're in our fourth year. Our institutions are are pleased in terms of uh, their exposure. And there's been some tremendous ancillary results, positive results from uh, the Celebration Bowl. And that is to be on a uh, national and international platform uh, for our institutions. You know, you have three and a half hours of branding of both institutions that are participating to begin the bowl season. And at least from the MEAC institutions, they have received an increase uh, in applications to attend uh, their institutions. And so uh, the enrollments have increased after their participation in the uh, Celebration Bowl. So there are a lot of different um, positives that have gone on uh, as a result of the Celebration Bowl. And and people look at it as an athletic event, a football game, which it is. But there's so much more that that have derived uh, from this game. Tiffany, I know you got to sit down with the head coach of the men's basketball team at Howard, Kevin Nickelberry. What did you think about what he had to say? Uh, I think Coach Nick said a lot of great things about being competitive, trying to win games, big games like the Texas Southern against Oregon and Howard against UMass because those are games that he was basically alluding to the fact that can help you set a tone and rebrand yourself. So he talked about seeding as well um, and 
the fact that, yeah, there are times where we're seated against teams that we necessarily, we can't necessarily compete against, but that's, it's just going to happen because there are other teams that can't, that are not HBCUs that are not able to compete against teams that they can compete against either in that first round because they didn't do as well throughout the season. So he just spoke to everything that we just said earlier and really identified that it's really about rebranding HBCUs across the board. Okay. So we're going to have to leave the conversation there. Mr. Miller, thank you so much for joining us today. You're welcome. I enjoyed the conversation. Sure did. Thank you so much. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, we'll talk about the upcoming Spider-Man film. Stay tuned. The holiday season is notorious for new film releases. The newest Spider-Man film, called Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, is set to be released on December 14th. Traditionally, Spider-Man's alias is a white guy named Peter Parker. Since 2002, Sony has released six different Spider-Man movies. In that time span, three different actors have played Peter Parker. In the new film, we are taken to a parallel universe where Miles Morales is tasked with carrying on Peter Parker's legacy as Spider-Man. Morales is black and Puerto Rican, and he's animated instead of live action. He'll be voiced by Shamik Moore. Full disclosure, I haven't gone to see the film yet, but I've heard a lot about it. Are y'all excited, or will you miss this one? Mr. Roden? Yawn. I'm sorry. Yes. Well, um... <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to figure out, like, what did he just say? Yawn? <laughs> but, but, yeah, well, no. Isn't, isn't, that, isn't that like in the comic books, you know, how they have, like, the... In the in the little white suit, yawn. <laughs> Are you that against Spider Man? But, but listen, let me ask you something, you guy. Of all the Spider Man is the weakest of all the superheroes. In fact, does he have any really? So they're gonna, they gonna put so they're gonna put a black guy as the weakest super. What does he do? What does Spider Man do? Oh, Spider Man wow. is one I'm of hurt. the best superheroes. I think the weakest out. superhero is Batman. Superman. If you want to be honest, oh, that's that's weird. Weird. I, say, I like the Joker. That he's rich. Huh? Well, that's, <laughs> like that's, that's, that's a big power. I like the villains. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but you guys asked me about Spider-Man. They're going to make a brother Spider-Man. I don't know. Okay, so Spider Man's not necessarily the, the the weakest. In the movies they do tend He's to not. they do tend to I take off weak. some of his strength. But if you really look back at the comics, uh he is a he's a strong individual. Yeah. yeah, it was a great story of triumph. Okay, but is he is he stronger than, than okay. the Hulk? Is he stronger than Superman? Is he no. Well, all the other little, little so he, he can but, no. He said he helped save the day a lot of the time. Yep. Mm. Okay, so that's Infinity just, War. He might have not, but he, he kind of yes. helped out. I feel some type of way. That's my childhood like superhero right there. Yeah, I'm, he I'm, really. I'm, 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 I'm sorry. I didn't mean to step on any toes. <laughs> I'm hurt. <laughs> you see, you see it with Janae said that in 2002 or since 2002, six different Spider-Man movies have been out. Well, that's our childhood. You just crushed mm-hmm. it. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all still believe in Santa Claus? Well, well, there is Santa Claus, yes. I don't want to. Yeah. 
Oh, please. Okay, so for the people who do like Spider-Man, how y'all feel about seeing a biracial Spider-Man? You think they should have left him white or... I'm excited. Um, I, I'm excited about it. Um, in the latest Spider-Man, Spider-Man Homecoming, um, which was a live-action movie, a part of the Marvel uh, Cinematic Universe, uh, there was a hint to Miles Morales. Uh, I, I can't remember the character's name. But it was uh, uh, uncle of Miles Morales in the comics, and when they said that when they said that uh, Donald Glover was going to be playing him, it was it was kind of enticing to me. It got me excited, and hopefully that we would see Miles Morales in a live action movie. Uh, we got the Spider Spider Man into the Spider Verse, which is uh, obviously animated, but still, just to see you know something like that and the different angles that you can use now with a a, bi- a biracial character, one that's black and Latino. And I think in 2018, there's so much that you can use as angles, um, along with good story writing as well. And because you never want a superhero uh, show or movie to be too racially charged or to have too many angles in there where it's like, okay, where's the actually actual story? Are we talking about race the whole time? Because at the end of the day, this is a comic book character. But I'm excited to see it, to be honest. Yeah, I actually thought Bill was yawning because it's a animated Spider-Man. I didn't want an animated one. I think that we could have found someone to actually play Miles Morales and give it the justice that it deserves. Um, but I don't mind an animated Spider-Man. But still, I think that they could have went the full level and gave us a real character to cling to. Um, but just to add to what Isaiah just said about it being too black or too racially charged sometimes, I felt that way about Black Lightning and Luke Cage, that they got so caught up in being so black in their storyline that they forgot that they had to have a full storyline with all the nuances that go into these superheroes that we've grown to love. Really? That's true. I agree with you on that. Well, did you, you didn't like Luke Cage? Luke Cage was good the I, first season. Yeah, the first season it was good, but after that it just kind of got... I, okay, I still think even in the first horrible. season, they had a couple of moments in the first season where it was like, yeah. where is... Like, they kind of lost me in the storyline because they... Like, or they would say something that would be so corny, and I'm like... And you could tell they wanted to do it, you know, for the culture or whatever, and it's like, okay... Where's the actual storyline? You know, can we get back to the character, or can we get back to the actual what's going on in the movie? And I think in season two it went really downhill. I mean, there was a random jab moment after he had just beat up a, a bunch of people. Like, and I'm just like, what what is really going on here? You get what I'm saying? So I think they just kind of they went a little overboard um, after the success of the first season. Mm. Do, do you think? I mean, here you I guys... think that's the same for Black Lightning. Mm. It just uh, right now, Black Lightning is still airing. And I think they're actually going to even pick it up for a, another season. And it could be that it has like a CW flair because a lot of CW superhero shows are very similar to Black Lightning where they can get very dry. Um, yeah. So it could be that. But I think that Black Lightning has a tendency to get too corny, to quote mm-hmm. Isaiah from yesterday. Mm-hmm. And I think what saves Black Lightning is, like you said, the other shows around it, you know, like Arrow or The Flash – People are kind of going to watch Black Lightning because of those. Uh, even if you're not getting necessarily a black audience, you're going to get those those people who are comic book yeah. fans that are going to want to watch Black Lightning. Do, do, do you guys think that, and I'm just listening to this conversation and even the one we had about HBCUs, and it seems to think, you know, that, that blackness 
or focus on that can sometimes be self-defeating or override a storyline or something. Mm-hmm. Is, is that what is that what I'm hearing you say? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So it's, it's too much. That's why I think Black Panther was such a good movie because although it was like an all black cast, essentially, like you know, it wasn't doing too much. Even that with felt like a superhero Killmonger, movie. Yeah. like his whole purpose, and we all knew what he was talking about, but yeah. it wasn't too much in your face with it. Like, so, you know what I'm saying? It like, I'm going. To, I'm going to see Spider Man into the uh, into the Spider Verse because of. Spider-Man. Yes, I'm excited to see yeah. that Miles Morales is a uh, biracial character, but I'm going to that movie as a comic book fan. I, I want to see how they're going to portray Miles Morales, how are they going to draw back to the comics and things like that. And it's going to be cool to see how they, you know, weave in different different aspects or different angles with the race, but I still want to see them draw back to the character itself or, or the comics itself. In other words, you, want, you don't want the story to be... Um overwhelmed or the character the character to be diluted or or something yes that yeah that's exactly, exactly. The, the word that you can use so i don't want the character to be diluted by trying to add so many different angles within race or, or culture mm-hmm. just to give an example for black panther compared to black lightning black lightning when they talk about like the black panthers they do like a whole history lesson like we're not here for a history class and then like in the black panther you just you saw Oakland. You saw okay. He went back to Oakland and he bought that block and that block and that block down there. So it kind of gave you your innuendos of the I'm black and I'm proud or the black experience that you want to see from a black superhero or a black movie. But it didn't just it wasn't a cliche and it wasn't trying to you know. You don't have to get. You're saying you don't have to get beaten over the head with it. You're saying you don't have to get beaten over the head with it. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I mean, you I know something you brought up earlier was about Superman or uh he's not as strong and in something I know that happened some time ago uh Will Smith who played he did play a superhero um uh, in uh, Hancock and he's played an yeah. anti-hero in uh Deadshot. He was offered a role of Superman before Hancock and um I'm, he was quoted as saying, you can't be messing up white people's heroes in Hollywood. <laughs> you mess up white people's heroes in Hollywood, you'll never work in this town again. And that's wow. interesting to see that, you know, an actor would take that stand was where he didn't want to necessarily take that role because he doesn't want to change the narrative of the characters, so to speak. And that's, that's what I got from that. <laughs> wow. And I, I think with Miles Morales, because that character was already created uh, in 2011 in the comics as a biracial character... That's why this movie can work as long as they, you know, draw back to the comics and, 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 and keep with a good narrative. We, I don't think I think we will. Excuse me. I think what Will Smith was saying is somewhat correct. If you do change that aspect of a character, you could possibly upset certain people because you know they're not used to seeing that. Or if you change a lot of things with that. Then you don't. You're not necessarily drawing back to the character, to the comic or the character yourself. You're kind of making up your own story well, of that, that character. That's like saying don't and have a don't, don't have a black. I'll remember. Go ahead. That's like saying don't have a black president of the United States because that's not what a lot of people <laughs> that messes up a lot of people. Now, but that's that's totally different from comics. That is totally different from comics. Yeah. But y'all, with Spider-Man: Homecoming, like that's what they were talking about with Zendaya, like being Mary Jane. People didn't like that. They thought 
she shouldn't have been the cast. You know, remember people were saying right, that she right. shouldn't have been mm. that character because Mary Jane's white and right. she's mixed. When you look at that movie, they didn't even really play on the fact that she was black. Mm-hmm. At least I didn't see during uh, when I yeah. watched Spider-Man Homecoming. They didn't at all. And she just played the role. Mm-hmm. Well, that's... She wasn't that's, involved in that at all. See, that, I think that was the point. Sometimes with blackness is the fact that you could, you know, you could just be a black, but some people just object to the mere fact of your being. Yeah. <laughs> and, right. and, that, and I think that's the definition yeah. of racism. That you're just trying to be a character and, and or be a, a ballerina or whatever. You're not trying to be a black ballerina, but some people just object to to your being there. And I guess that's the problem. Yeah. So who do y'all think are the best superheroes this year of 2018? Black Panther. Mm. I think that's probably everybody. Uh, I'm going to go a little different. Um, and this is because I was a, a Spider-Man fanatic as a kid. and I'm still heard about Bill going on my superhero like that. Mm-hmm. But I'd say, I would say Spider-Man. Just seeing him uh, in the Star- Fast Avengers movie. And that, I think, is probably the best. Uh, Tom Holland is probably the best Spider-Man that I've seen yeah. in the movies that have come out. So that's why I say Agreed. that, because you know it, it brings me back to my childhood a little bit. He had a, he had the whole theater crying during him. Yeah, we were all so excited. I'm still hurt off of that. I don't think I'm ever going to get over the fact I saw on on screen Spider Man die. I, I don't know if I'm. Oh man. Oh wow. I don't know no, if he's not that. dead. They're he's technically not dead. Bring him back. He They're definitely faded away back. into dust. <laughs> They're going to bring him all you know, back. Look. Um, wait. Did that Thor Ragnarok movie come out last year? Yes. Yes, it did. 2019, girl, May. I'm ready. Let's, let's make I was going to say the girl, Valkyrie or whatever her name was. I liked her. That, Valkyrie oh. was actually cool, and I'm con- and they never, I know we have to end, but they never really um, talked about whether she survived. Um, and she was on the ship with Loki and Thor at the beginning of Avengers. I mean, excuse me, at the end of Thor Ragnarok. And that's where the beginning of uh, the... Avengers 4 started, I mean, excuse me, Avengers 3 started. So I'm confused on if she's still alive to, or not. I'm, I'm interested in knowing that. She's right here at the studio. We all know who the best villain was this year. Who? Thanos. Who? Are you I'm saying the best Thanos. villain? Oh, yeah. Thanos yeah. Was, sure yeah Thanos was by Bad far the best villain. And everything. I think that's because he. it's different than, you know, most movies, especially daughter. when it comes to these, where the heroes end up winning and... And this Avengers, Thanos won. He was powerful. I mean, he, he beat everybody. So I think that's probably what makes him the best so far. Right. Did he? But that's, that's I saw still it ongoing, right? And I left trembling. Say it one more time, Bill. But but that and that's that's ongoing, right? He hasn't won one, has he? Yeah, Infinity War two will be out next year. We still don't have a trailer for it. Mm. Still no trailer. No. But it, y'all, we don't, are gonna May. have to leave. The conversation there. Oh. We'll be, I know, so sad. <laughs> but we'll be looking out for reactions to the film when it comes out. So that's all the time we have for today. If there's anything you'd like us to cover or if you want to leave us a comment, tweet us at the undefeated hashtag Rodenfellows. You can also contact us directly. I'm on Twitter at Janae and Adams. That's J-A-N-A-E-N-A-D-A-M-S. I'm at W.C. Roden. He still hasn't followed me, but... Oh, <laughs> oh wow. Where'd that come? Okay, Jenna. <laughs> I'm glad. Are you, 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 Tiffany, what's your socials? 
I'm on Instagram at TTA Legend. That's T T A L E G E N D. You can find me on Twitter as well at underscore underscore man of the hour. And Janae, I got a follow back, so maybe I could—I don't know—maybe I could ask him for you. Wow! <laughs> oh, oh, th- oh, thanks. Uh, uh, we have favorites now. It's only because uh, you, you go to Morgan. Well, yeah, but that, that's yeah. not what. <laughs> yeah, all the bears got to support each other. Yeah, no, I will listen as soon as we hang up. I'm gonna follow everybody to the point you're gonna ask me to not follow you anymore. <laughs> I'm really great. Bill, you have an Instagram. Get on Instagram. I will. I will. I, actually, I do have an Instagram account. So, thanks for listening to HBCU 468, the Road and Fellows podcast. This show is produced by Aaron Matthewson. Special thanks to Tarika Foster Brasby and Kyrie Williams. Get all of the HBCU 468 podcasts, as well as the plug, The Right Time with Bomani Jones, and Morning Roast by subscribing to the Undefeated on the Listen tab of the ESPN app. Join us next week for another HBCU podcast, and don't forget to make The Undefeated your go-to site for a soulful look at sports and entertainment. Have a great week, everyone.